how to choose a custodian for your RIA. That is question number 53 on the transition to RIA question and answer series. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RA model. Uh, so in today's question, we're going to talk about, okay, if you do move into that model, how do you choose a custodian to use, or in some cases, which we'll get into custodians, plural, to use with your new RIA path? And so as you, you might recall from previous episodes, and I'll make sure to link them in the show notes, uh, there's three main ways into the RA model, and, and because I've gone into them in depth, uh, I won't. I won't. I'll just go real high level here. Uh, but the three main ways into the model are: start your own RA, build out your necessary solution providers around you. Again, one of those solution providers would be a custodian. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum is to join an existing RA platform that's already built out that, that infrastructure for you. And then there's kind of a go-between option there in the middle, which is where you can still have your own RA and outsource a lot of the middle and back office functions of uh, running the day-to-day -day of the RA. No matter which of those paths you go down, though, you will need at least one custodian, sometimes more. Now, I guess I should say that there are some very uh, kind of narrow circumstances where you wouldn't need a custodian. And, and that is solely for a practice that is, as they say, provides fee for service only. So that might be where your value proposition is to provide, you know, solely advice, maybe it's financial planning advice, and you do so on a, an hourly basis, or maybe a monthly subscription basis, but where you don't actually take uh, control of the assets to manage yourself. You, you, you rely on the investor or the client to do that elsewhere. And so in that case, you would, need not, you would not need a custodian. But in most of the traditional models where you part of your value proposition is to manage the money, you will need at least one custodian, possibly more than one custodian. Again, and there, no matter which of those paths you go down, starting your own, joining an existing firm or, or using a middle office provider, you will need a custodian regardless. And, and so that's what I'm going to talk about in this episode is some of the variables that go into helping you figure out which custodian or custodians to utilize. And this is the kind of conversation I have with advisors all day long is, is helping them figure this out and figure out which one might be a better fit uh, than others. And so what we're going to go over here today at kind of a macro level, uh, just know that each, each situation is unique to each advisor, each team. And so this, this won't cover every imaginable scenario, but, but I think it'll give you at least some initial good guidance on it. So what I wanted to start with is, is just to acknowledge that there's a certain amount of, uh, we'll call them table stakes, that any of the major custodians uh, provide. And the reason I call them table stakes is because they, they are not a differentiator amongst the, the, the choices of custodians out there. And they are, they are essentially must-haves. They're things that you will expect from your custodian, no matter which custodian you might select. And, and, and because of that, again, it's not a differentiator for them. It's not how they position their value proposition necessarily. And I, and I will separately get into what those differentiators are when they do occur. But I did just want to run through a couple of table stakes just to keep in mind. So as an example, all of the major custodial options have massive scale. The, the custodial game is a very low margin, high scale business. And so it, it only works for the custodians to have massive scale, to have tens, hundreds of billions, sometimes trillions of dollars 
uh, on their platform because again, it's very low margin, but with that scale, uh, they're able to provide the service for, for a reasonable fee. Um, so again, any of, the, any of the main choices you might look at, they all have that scale, otherwise they wouldn't be able to compete in the marketplace. So again, that, that alone is not a differentiator by any means. Uh, they're also well capitalized. And the, and the reason I point this out is, is one, of the, one of the main reasons you want to have a custodian, besides you need them to provide the services uh, to, 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 as they say, custody and clear the client's assets, is you want your client, your investors, your investor clients to feel comfortable about where their assets are being held. And so you certainly don't want some company that is possibly on the verge of being illiquid and going under and, and, and what consequences will that have for clients and, and trying to retrieve their assets. And so any of the major uh, options out there are very well capitalized. Again, that is in part why you are leaning on them to provide the role of custody and clearing for your clients' assets is because of the soundness of their business. And so again, not a differentiator. That's, that is table stakes just to show up at the game. Um, the next table stakes, investment product availability. So what I mean by that is all the major custodians are going to offer you know, pretty much every equity or access to every equity uh, that you could trade out there, ETF, mutual fund, uh, those sorts of fixed income options, those sorts of things. There, there is some slight variation. I did a whole episode, for instance, on, on mutual fund availability on, on maybe one custodian versus another. So there is some degree of variability, but, but and that's part of your due diligence of a custodian is to make sure that they can accommodate all of the solutions you're currently using with your clients, or at least that you want to continue to utilize with your clients. Um, so it's, it's worth pointing out there's some variability, but, but across the board, I, you know, just throwing a number out there, I'd say 98% of whatever you're using currently uh, is most likely already available at the custodian. Uh, sometimes that could get a little tricky if you're using certain money managers, and, and that's a whole different conversation because there's uh, multiple different ways to access money managers through TAMPs and whatnot. So I won't dive into that in this episode, but the, but the main point being is, it's, again, it's a, not a differentiator. They, they all offer thousands of mutual funds and ETFs and equities and all those sorts of things uh, across the board. Uh, next up is transition support. So all of these firms will, will certainly tell you they offer wonderful transition support to help you move your assets to them. Uh, and it is fair to say they do dedicate a lot of resources into providing a good transition experience for you. Um, there is some, you could argue, some firms are maybe more robust in some areas than others. And, and that is something maybe to take into consideration. But they, they absolutely all provide a degree of transition support. And when I say I should have prefaced this transition support, not meaning, hey, here's money, here's an upfront check or anything like that. This is the resources, the personnel, uh, the time they will commit, oftentimes coming out on site uh, to help you in those first couple of weeks of moving your client assets over. Clearly, that's an important part of the process. You want good resources. Again, uh, with some degree of, of variability, not much. Uh, they all provide transition support services because they need you to be a successful client of theirs to bring your clients with you. So they have a vested interest in doing everything they can to help you move the assets as well. Uh, and then final, just some, just some random things like lending capabilities. Again, if you use margin in, in, in some of your clients' accounts, that's, that's table stakes. Custodians actually love things like that. Uh, I did a whole episode on how custodians generate revenue. So uh, opportunities like margin or, or non-purpose or securities-based lending, those sorts of things uh, absolutely are available because, again, that is one of the primary ways that 
a custodian generates revenue. Again, I did a whole episode on, on that topic alone if you want to dive further. So, so the main idea there is just keep in mind certain table stakes. You can expect them no matter which of the kind of which of the firms you look at. There's going to be certain table stakes there. You, you expect them to be there. They need to be there, but they're not going to be a massive differentiator between one firm to the next. So, so the question is, what are some of those differentiators? So I want to I want to go through that now. So, and, and, and this is in no particular order. So uh, each custodian potentially has a minimum amount of assets that you need to commit to moving them and, and, and realistically be able to deliver to, to use them as a custodian. Now that, that ranges. Some, some custodians actually have zero. They say, hey, we don't have any minimums. Uh, and others on the other range start in the 100 million plus range, which if you can't uh, show that you currently have 100 million or show the pathway where that would, that would quickly uh, be achieved uh, at least 100 million or up, they, they are not going to be a, a custodial solution for you. And, and so you say, well, well, why do I want some firm that has some high number when there's you know, firms that have, that have uh, no minimums and there's, there's different uh, opinions on that? Uh, firms that have higher minimums would tell you, hey, we are trying to attract a particular size advisor, in this case, a larger advisor. And as a result, uh, because that's all we will partner with or do business with, we can put all of our time and resources into the, the, the support of value and services those type of advisors need. And we can stay focused on, on that particular kind of slice of the advisor community. Uh, whereas other firms, if, if, if they offer uh, RAs of any size during their platform, the, the counter argument would be, oh, well, they, they are spreading themselves too thin and they are trying to be everything to everyone. And, and you, if that's the case, you're everything to no one. Uh, that's probably a little harsh argument to make uh, because again, these firms have massive scale. So they, they can dedicate a lot of resources to even different size uh, relationships along the way. But, but I think there is some truth to say, hey, if we, we are a little more focused on a, on a particular advisor profile, uh, they, they can dedicate more resources accordingly. So just something to be aware of, depending on your size, some custodians will literally not even be an option for you, uh, whereas others certainly will be available. Uh, the next differentiator to be aware of is kind of the, uh, the, the value proposition uh, of the custodian at a kind of a macro level. So what I mean by that, there are some custodians that their value proposition is to say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Advisor, you, you go start an RIA, you come use our, uh, our, our option as your custodian. And, and guess what? We have a fully integrated solution. So meaning we have all of the technology you need. We have the TAMP solution. We have the fee billing solution. We have everything you need already integrated seamlessly into our offering. And you literally can do the proverbial plug and play and, and be up and going and, and off you go. And you think, Wow, that's fantastic. Why, why would I not want that? And I'll, and I'll circle back to sometimes where that, that can be a great thing and where, where maybe it's not a good thing. Uh, but then on the other end of the spectrum, you have some custodians that say, hey, as opposed to uh, contributing our capital and resources to trying to build out our own technology, we would rather spend our resources on trying to integrate as best as possible with all these wonderful innovative uh, new uh, entrants in the field of third-party technology solutions that are always 
improving their own product and competition is forcing them to, to dedicate more resources themselves into improving the product. And so as opposed to trying to compete with that, we'd, we'd rather let them compete with that and you to choose from all of those, all of those choices. And instead, we are going to dedicate ourselves to making sure we, we can integrate uh, properly and successfully with each of those third-party solutions. So is, is one better than the other? Not necessarily. It just matters ultimately what you want to do with your RIA. So one example on that where that integrated solution could be a challenge is if at some point in the future you desire or need to be multi-custodial with your RIA. Again, I did a whole episode on on the differences between being, as they say, single custodian only using one or multi-custodian using multiple custodians, is if you're if you are using a, with your, as they say, primary custodian, if it's an integrated solution and you're using all of their technology and their TAMP solution, all those sorts of things, and then at some point in the future, you, you need or want to add another custodian to your, your availability for your clients to utilize, well, well, now the technology and the TAMP and whatnot from this integrated solution is not going to work with that other custodian. Uh, you will now need to use a separate, as they say, tech stack or separate TAMP solution for when you open accounts at that custodian. And so there's a school of thought that says, if, if there's a chance you're gonna be multi-custodial, multi either currently at some point in the future, that you, you wanna kind of separate the technology, separate the TAMP, separate those sorts of things, uh, from the custodian so that you can work with multiple custodians as long as those tools and those resources can, can, can speak to the custodians. Again, that's part of your due diligence. Part of what I help folks with is building all this out. Um, that the idea is, hey, if, if we have this kind of independent third-party tech stack TAMP solution, then, then we can add custodians and it's not going to cause us to have to do uh, one set of processes for these clients because they're this custodian own oh, a separate set of processes for, for these clients over here. So it's it's a different approach to the degree you feel you will only ever need to be single custodian. There are some wonderful integrated solutions that might be a great fit for you. To the degree you think you might at some point be multi-custodial, you need to be considering whether an integrated or or more uh, third-party approach to, to some of these solutions is, is a better path for you. Uh, next topic is a custodian's ability to accommodate a hybrid solution. So I've done a couple episodes on this, how you absolutely have the option of going down the RA model route and either starting your own RA or being under another RA and still accommodating your commission business. And so the way that is generally done is to utilize, as they say, an RIA friendly broker dealer that accommodates your commission business. Again, I've done a, a whole episode on that a deeper dive. So, so uh, take a look at that. Uh, but important to know is depending on which of those RA friendly broker dealer solutions you use, some are more efficient to use uh, with certain custodians than others. So it depends on where you want to put your advisory assets will in part steer which kind of RA friendly broker dealer you want to utilize or, or potentially vice versa. You might find uh, an RA friendly broker dealer that's a very good fit for you in, oh, because of where they themselves are custodying the assets or who, who they are integrated with that, that that will help guide your custodian selection as well. Again, I'm not pointing any of this out to, 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 to complicate the process or to make this sound intimidating, because this is something I help advisors with daily is thinking through these variables. But just know to the degree you are going to need or want some sort of commission solution for your practice that will be relevant in your custodian selection decision. 
Uh, next up is pricing. So uh, obviously this is an important topic. Uh, as part of your due diligence on any custodian, you want to know, hey, what does that pricing look like? Will I be charged transaction-based fees for my clients? Uh, will I be charged or my clients a custodial fee, sometimes called asset-based pricing? Uh, or, or will there be other fees involved? And, and over the last couple of years, there's been a big movement in this thought that, oh, there's no transaction charges. And the reality is in some instances with some custodians, there is no transaction charges on certain kinds of trades. So that might be equities or ETFs and in, in many instances, but not all mutual funds. Uh, I did a whole episode on, as they call no transaction fee mutual funds that explains that. So the, the point is when you hear, oh, there's no transaction fees, know that one, depend on the custodian use, that might be the case, but even then it's not across the board with every necessarily investment product you might look to use. And so you, you do want to, as you compare custodial options, is look at, okay, what is the pricing that one can provide for me and another can provide for me? And, and there's no uh, just rack rates across the board. Each custodian will look at what you are able to bring to them from an asset perspective, from a, the, the kind of clients you're going to bring to them. Maybe you're going to use lending solutions, those sorts of things. And they will, they will provide you pricing for, hey, if you would like to do business with us and you can commit this amount of assets, Here's the pricing we will provide for you. So that is important to go into custodial selection. And I would just tell you, don't uh, default or assume that the custodian that has the lowest quote unquote pricing is necessarily the best solution for you and more importantly, your clients. I would tell you, oftentimes a custodian that is cheapest for the RIA is not necessarily cheapest or arguably best for the for your clients. And so what I mean by that is one of the ways that custodians have enabled some of these transaction pricing to go down to zero is by limiting, for instance, your options on where free, free cash in the accounts sweeps to. And so right now with interest rates so low, it's not really a big issue, but, but under a more normal interest rate environment, that could have a meaningful uh, difference for your clients. And so you have to ask, Okay, hey, if there was a trade-off that, hey, oh, maybe I actually do pay some nominal transaction fees, but as a result, my client's cash will maybe sweep to a, to a more favorable sweep option and, and the amount of additional revenue uh, or interest they will generate will, will exceed the transaction charges, that, that variable might be uh, necessary for you to weigh into your decision. So again, just keep in mind, there's the, what is the pricing for the RIA? And then what does that look like for your client? And, and you'll want to take both of those into consideration uh, as you consider custodians. Um, next, technology. I already kind of covered this mostly with that whole idea of an integrated solution versus using third-party solutions. But just be aware, uh, again, kind of three flavors of this. Some, some custodians uh, present what they, what they feel is everything you need from a technology stack perspective. They say, hey, again, plug and play. This is everything most RAs out there would need. And we provide it all, all in. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, again, some custodians say, hey, we, we don't attempt to build out our own technology because we'd rather rely on these wonderful uh, folks out in the marketplace creating all kinds of uh, solutions. And, and so instead, we, we focus on, on integrating with those solutions. And then you have kind of a middle ground where they, they lean heavily on those third-party integrations, but also maybe provide some resources, some technology that is optional for you to use, but, but not required that you use it. So again, different flavors on technology as well. Uh, and then the, then the last point is, you know, is your custodian uh, arguably, a, as they say, a B2C business to consumer or a B2B business to business custodian? And, and by what I mean by that, and the, the term often used in our industry is 
is retail channel conflict. And so what that means is there's some, certainly some custodians out there that provide wonderful custodial services for RIAs, but alongside that, they also cater directly to clients in the marketplace. And they are out there advertising to clients in the marketplace and saying, hey, come open an account directly with us. And we provide all these services. Uh, now, increasingly, even advisory services that are offered. Uh, and, and so effectively, you're competing against your custodian uh, for clients in the marketplace. Uh, and then there are other custodians that are solely a B2B, business to business play that do not at all open accounts directly with uh, individual retail clients. They say, hey, we only cater to the institutions, the RIAs, the banks, the trust companies, those sorts of things. We are a B2B play. We do not arguably compete with our clients, the custodians' clients thinks of, uh, think of the RA as their clients. Um, and, and, and we feel that is the best experience for all parties involved. And you say, oh, okay, again, which, which one's better than the other? Like anything, there's, there's pros and cons to each. The, the firms that also have that retail channel would, would rightfully point out that, hey, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Advisor, because of all of those hundreds of billions of assets of retail clients that, open, that work directly with us, Yes, that's a, they, they wouldn't outright say it, but essentially, yes, that's competition. We're in competition with you. But because of all those additional assets, we now have more scale, more resources to reinvest back into the platform, which then you in turn benefit from. And if, and if we didn't have all of that over here, this retail channel conflict, we wouldn't have as much resources for you to now be able to benefit from. Uh, and, and, and likewise, the B2B folks would say, hey, this is a scale game. We're already huge. We already have trillions of dollars. Uh, yeah, every incremental dollar in assets would be nice, but it's it's not due to lack of capital of what we can do with our platform. And we'd rather build it out as best we can and not be in competition with our clients. Again, pros and cons to everything is not to say one's better versus the other. I've, I've had uh, plenty of conversations with some advisors say, you know what, I'm not worried about that at all. I don't even care. I, my clients aren't going to care. And then you have other advisors that are very sensitive and feel, no, I, I don't want my custodian in conflict with me, or I do think that's going to be an issue with my clients. And, and that's fine. That's why it's a wonderful thing that you have all of these choices out there in the marketplace. But just to point out, it is yet another variable to be aware of and to consider. Uh, so the idea with all this is just to be aware that there's a lot of variables that go into choosing a custodian. Some, again, are table stakes. You can just expect them. You don't need to spend much time on them. They're going to be there for you. Uh, and then others are these differentiators and to understand them, understand what you would be satisfied and then to know which custodians check which of the boxes. And again, that's a big part of what I, what I do is help advisors, one, under, understand just the whole custodial relationship, uh, understand why they might want to be single versus multi-custodial, those sorts of things, and then really get in those weeds and say, okay, for you specifically, advisor, based on your needs, your client profile, your, your goals for the future, Here's, here's the custodians that are going to be a better fit for you than others. Uh, and, and other times, another advisor might be the exact opposite. So again, it's, it's working through each of these variables one by one. So with that, like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RA. Today's episode, wonderful example of the exact sort of thing I help advisors think through is, is first start with this at a macro level. How does this work? How does this RA custodial relationship work? 
and then, and then work through all these details to find the best solutions for uh, each advisor based on their specific circumstances. I'd be happy to have that same conversation with you. Uh, if you're not already there, head on over to transitiontoria.com. Uh, on there, you can find all of my episodes. I got them in video format, podcast format, uh, white papers, and then at the top of every page is a contact link. If you click on that, you can instantly and easily schedule time to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me uh, to dive immediately into this topic, or as most cases, start at that more macro level and say, hey, Brad, help me understand what this RA option looks like. Is this even something I should be exploring? And then to the degree it, it might make sense, okay, let's start peeling back the onion and start going through these layers and figuring out all of the options and all of the, the decisions that would go into this. Happy to have that conversation with you. Uh, but for now, I hope you found value in today's episode, and I'll see you on the next one.